Hey guys, uh, welcome to another episode of Bulletin Broadcast. Uh, I am Ben. I feel like I have to introduce myself this week. Do I do that normally? No, you don't. We See? usually shout at you that you're Ben. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so I'm joined by Greg. Hello, I'm Greg. And uh, with Dan as well. Hello. Yes, yet yet to be scared of. Hmm. Yeah, there's still time, there's still time. Um. So... This week has been an interesting one. We decided to discuss the top games of this generation. Um, in in our opinion, yeah, in, in our opinion, this is this is by no means a uh, a proper list. There's no ranking or anything. Oh, I, I was I tapped into the objective truth of what the best three games were. Were we not supposed to tap into the objective truth? Were we supposed to leave um, that alone? I'll, I'll explain the angle I went with when it comes to me. Because <laughs> I, I feel like we all went with different angles. Yeah. Um, so basically, the way we're defining this generation... like We know the generation isn't over. There's still another year. Um, but the generation is basically anything from early 2014 to December 2019 when we're recording this. Um, and after much deliberation mainly me and Greg being like you have to uh, we included the Switch and the PC as well so we're not just doing console that's just all the all the games that came out in this sort of space of time and what we, I mean console generation is a bit of a funny one but we're defining it as the lifespan of the Xbox One and PS4 to their new console generations coming out this uh, coming year 2020 yeah so I'll start off this week um, so I have three games on my list that I did not expect at all. I went with my definition of games of the generation being the games that had the most impact in that time frame. So not necessarily on, on ones you, that, or oh yeah, yeah, on you, not or... just on me, but on the the industry as a whole. Okay. So okay. Uh, so the first game I have on here is actually the VR edition of Superhot. Wow. I don't think anyone okay. expected this to be a game that would come up in yeah, this. Yeah, so I, in my personal opinion, Superhot kind of defined what an action VR game should be as far as I'm concerned. Go on. It's just everything about it feels very fluid, right? I don't, I don't know if either of you have played it. I've never played a VR game. It looks very nineties. It's it's very much like so. The idea of Super Hot is as time stands stills when time doesn't time stands still while you stand still. So as long as you're not moving, nothing moves. Yeah, I've, I, sorry, I've played the yeah. game. I just haven't played. Yeah, so on VR. while you're while you're in it, it's hard to explain without having played in it. Like everything feels very fluid, and there's no. I don't know how to explain. You you feel very much immersed in the world. You, there's sort of a strategic element to it in that if you need to stop and think and plan what your next moves are then you can literally stop and think and plan what your next moves yeah, are because and the whole kind of... world around you stops until you start taking an action or moving or shooting again. Yeah, I was... The, arg- 
the argument is it's not really an action game, it's a puzzle game. See, that's the kind of the, the weird fit, isn't it? Yeah, it is more about, rather than, because everything's done in a set order, it's more about um, kind of, if it was like a, a, a shooting game, you would have, you know, every time you replayed a checkpoint, it'd be something different. But it's more about kind of learning the patterns and how you can kind of overcome guess, it yeah. rather than... But, I mean, Super Hot was the only VR game I played that I kind of come out and I was like, this is what a VR game should be. Okay. Which is completely a, a personal thing, I understand. But I've played other VR games and they've not really done it for me. Do you own a VR device or are you doing this at like shows and shit? I, I've done it at shows, but I do own a, I do own a VR device as well. I just I don't okay. have the move controllers, but... I know I know Dan has a, a PSVR as well. That yeah, that may lead nicely into my no. third of my top three. Segway. Because I, I picked a VR title as well. Um I chose Moss <sighs> for mine. When it comes so... to fucking Dan, I just have to sit in <laughs> Google. What the fuck is Moss? Yeah, <laughs> I, f- I feel like I need this open now. Video, Moss, okay. the video game. Okay, so while, while you look up what it what it is, I'll explain my thinking of it. So, I again oh. we we kind of just defined it as top games of a generation. So I went with games that I did it as a from a more personal point of view, but I kind of looked at various lists. So I didn't just pick games off the top of my head. I looked at kind of other publications' ideas of what they thought were the top games of the generation, and I kind of culminated my list from them. My top three is actually a top 21. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's Have been played every game, yes. Well, that too. Um, <laughs> but I have, I have um, managed to cut it down to three, and I did choose Moth. So with Moss as a VR title, it, it you it's played with a controller and you kind of it's almost like you've got like a shoebox diorama in front of you and you control an adorable mouse and have to maneuver the mouse around the kind of diorama in front of you, which will be some kind of puzzle. But I just I thought it was a really fantastic mix of VR with kind of storytelling. It, it kind of felt like the next step in VR to me. A lot of VR titles you play are kind of quite casual or they're very much meant so that you can just kind of pick up and play. And there's been a couple of really ambitious ones that have been perhaps not implemented brilliantly or they... I mean, there's a couple that have just made me feel very, very sick with kind of motion sickness, but this kind of felt like, it felt like a really nice story, a lovely game that was just kind of made so much better by the addition of VR. So I picked it because it kind of feels like the way forward in my eyes. That's interesting. We both kind of picked different games for the same reason. 
Yeah, I think so. I have I have got Super Hot VR, but I haven't got round to it yet. I've I've played the original. Um, I just I, I liked it. The the other game that I like on VR that felt not necessarily like the next step, but felt like a very solid step in VR was um, a game called I Expect You to Die. Which sounds very, very morbid, but basically it's a very cartoony kind of game where you play as a spy who's in the situation. So, for instance, the first level, you are on a plane in a car. And what it is, is it's the, the evil villain's car. And you're trying to get the car off of the plane. But the plane is slowly filling up with toxic gas. And you have to basically find the way to start the car. But there will be certain things like as you put the key in the ignition a bomb will appear so then you have to follow instructions on how to do the bomb and if you do that wrong you die and like there's all these different they are puzzles but that was one that I was like yeah that was entertaining that was cool I like that but super hot was definitely one of the one standards stood out for me personally yeah I had a game a bit like that I expect you to die static that was another great VR title um, that was where you were sat in the chair you had the, the box fin wasn't it yeah, you had like your hands were in a box, um, and the con- you, so you held the controller obviously in in your real hands, uh, and you had to kind of use what was around the room, and using different buttons on the controller because every box buttons did different things, and you had to kind of move physically move your hands around to look at all the sides of the box to try and unlock it, which which sounds very kind of straightforward, but it it had like a, a a story that ran with it that was very almost like the first portal so you were in kind of a lab environment and there was kind of more to the story than you were told everything wasn't quite right i i quite like the fact that they took what could have been a very straightforward puzzle game where you just sat there and worked out puzzles and kind of added that element of story through it so that was another kind of good one for me but like you say, Moss was just one that I thought, if this is the way VR keeps going, then it's it's only going to get better, rather than being what was kind of seen as by a lot of people as a flash in the pan, kind of like 3D. It kind of made me think, actually, the implications here are that this could be, you know, the, the future of gaming, if you like. I mean, it's got some pretty good scores just looking from like I'm on the Wikipedia page and like other than two people who gave it a 7 out of 10 which is still an amazing score um, everything else is 8 and 9 and even a Metacritic's like 85% mm. yeah the, the, my only gripe with it is it, it wasn't particularly long and it um, it left on a bit of a cliffhanger kind of Moss's story was to continue and I hope it still does but I haven't heard anything about them kind of making a sequel so oh. okay well yeah. we're... VR VR stands for virtual reality yeah. <laughs> mm. that's my contribution I've never played anything VR so this is it, it look, I look I watched the trailer it looks like a cool little mouse that does some cool things so okay in, in terms of uh, your your input what was um what was your uh your, one of your games, Greg. Mm. So I, compared to your two lists so far, mine are pretty triple A sort of games, except for one of them. 
Um, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I, I think we've all sort of interpreted this top three games of the generation thing differently. And I've gone with sort of my top, my, my way of sort of splitting it down was the three games that of this generation that have pulled me in, like really absorbed me and just taken over me. I'm playing it whenever I can. When I'm not playing it, I'm thinking about it, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, I've perfect. gone with... And this one's the most obvious one, so don't switch off after you hear this. Uh, Fallout 4. Um, so, as you two and the audience, if they've even slightly been paying attention, know I like Fallout games a lot. Fallout 4 is not my favourite Fallout game, but in a lot of ways it improved on the previous ones. In a lot of ways it didn't. That's all controversial, I'm not getting into that. I don't have time. But the, the, the games... Uh, Fallout 4 is a really solid game, and it's in a lot of ways, very playable. I don't really know how to put it better than that. And playable you a is a word, I'd use, yeah. Well, it's just, it's so... It's, I don't know, no, it's... There are very few games that have completely absorbed my interest and made me want to be in the world more than that. And it, I always get so... I never get very far in the story, because the further you get, the more it undoes, it undoes its own magic, because... I think the game gets worse the further you get into the story. But I, I, while I've completed the game in all of my time with it about twice ever, compared to all, all the previous Fallout games, I completed them way more than that. I've played 32 days and 9 hours worth of Fallout 4 because I play everything but the main story. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like I get up to a point in the main story where it's most interesting... Usually I don't do the Battle of Bunker Hill. I stop there and I just play everything else. And I adore the game. And I've done many new games. That's part of how my part of my mind problem because I just love to start new games a lot. Um, but I've 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 played it a lot. I fucking love it. I love the game. It's good. And I will be so clear in saying that this is, these aren't my top three games. Are not necessarily games I think are of high quality or the best quality or anything like that. They're games of Brought that have really pulled me in, and I know Dan is not interested in Fallout, and Ben struggled with Fallout Four. Hey, I'm I'm growing. I didn't boo this week. Yeah, <laughs> it's progress. Yeah, I'm not growing. I'll, I'll boo. I'll boo Death Stranding if that comes up. <laughs> no, no. So, spoilers. There are no Kojima games on this list. What? No, me neither. Actually. Yeah, I don't. Thank fuck. In my top 21, there isn't, actually. I just... With Kojima games, I feel like they're at a point where they're more of the same. And that isn't a bad thing, because that 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 fills my fix, you know. But I don't think he's done anything to define a generation, really. Not this generation, at least, anyway. Do you know what he would... What would have, which, which is funny, which came up on one of the lists I looked at, but... PT was on there. Oh, if um, PT, that would have. I oh, really think sure. that would have if that would have came out. But obviously, it wasn't meant to be. We I got mean, even Brandon instead. Even PT is like an honourable mention for me, really. Yeah, that's what this guy said. Basically, said it was it was such a solid experience, even though it was short and never made it to a game. It's something that he still thinks about, which is why it made his list. Okay, sure. Should I jump in with one of my second ones? 
before you do, a quick observation from Greg. Uh, PT also features babies. Hmm, maybe Kojima had babies on the mind at the time of Je- Death Stranding and PT. Hmm. Hmm. Very good. I, I, I guess, <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's a Greg observation. There you go. How, is, is, it like is it one of these, like, so many per episode fins? Are we going to get a couple? Yeah, for sure. Um, and they're always going to be the best kind of observations. I'll never get it wrong. Uh, <laughs> we'll never end up with Greg on my face. Oh, Greg. oh <laughs> wow. That was actually quite good. <laughs> oh, I hate what I said. Good. Okay. Move on. Game two. Another game I never expected to be on my list. Undertale. Ooh. Okay. I have a view familiar with Undertale. Yeah. I know of it. I haven't played it, but so, I, know, I know of it. Essentially, it is a game that you play as a human child who falls into the world of monsters. <laughs> you basically fall into this world and um, you kind of... It's one of those games where the, the story is told in part by characters, but also in part by things in the environment. So there are like there's a corridor where you walk down and you learn about this massive uh, war between the humans and the monsters and it didn't end very well for the monsters because basically humans it all works off of like souls so like one human soul is as powerful as a hundred monster souls so the idea was that ten humans could defeat a thousand monsters so the monsters were never going to win and as a human in the monster world, you are at you're at risk basically because there are monsters there who will want to harvest your soul to make them more powerful. Because then they'll become as strong as a hundred monsters or whatever. And basically, the idea is they can rise up against the humans if they have one human soul. Oh, I've, I've played most of the game and I did not pick up on most of that I just thought it was the funniest game I've ever played so yeah this is kind of why it's on the <laughs> list it is amazingly funny the sense of humour throughout the whole thing is brilliant um, but the thing that got me the most was the ability to be completely pacifist or completely go mass genocide or somewhere in the middle it was entirely up to you what you wanted to do so uh for anybody who hasn't played the game when you when you encounter a creature that wishes to attack you um each of them will have different things you can do so you can standard rpg things you can attack you can use an item but there's also like a talk feature or some of them that are like dog monsters you can pet them instead yeah, some things like <clears throat> giant spaghetti monsters turn up and like you can flirt with them and they're like, oh, that's a nice compliment. And the, the idea is that you can basically talk your way out of a fight instead of having to kill it. And then if you talk your way out of a fight, that affects the way the story goes. And those who have played it know about the whole sans time loop thing that I'm not going to get into. Um, but there's a very clever fourth wall break um, which I appreciate I do love a good fourth wall break and it's just it's it's the fact that it was all made by one guy 
that's the other thing that gets me like this um, this amazing I'm pretty sure like it won a fucking award you know yeah it did it was huge when it came out um, um, in certain circles I specify but it's just it's one of those games that you just have to play like it's in terms of the games that have come out within this time span it's a must play game everything that it does the story the comedy the combat system the gameplay the way you can do it the fact that you can play it once and befriend everything and then play it again and murder everything and it's genuinely replayable you know you do get different situations out of it I, I would recommend it Dan um yeah, I, I think you'll appreciate it, I think uh, it's even on the if on the comedy level, because it's it's so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've never, I honestly have never laughed anywhere close to that much at a video game before. It was really funny. It, it was, yeah, it, it was just like nothing that's come out. I don't think. Not not that like. Sorry to cut you off. No, that's fine. Not that it was like <clears throat> amazingly good. It was amazingly good, but I just mean. It's hard to compare it to anything. Yeah, it's a unique game. But it's a sure. Switch, Dan. You should grab it. Yeah, well, I've just been looking. It's it's like um, it's like twelve quid on on um, PlayStation Store. So I, I've been meaning to pick it up for ages, but it's just one of those that I just forget it there. Mm, no, I get you that. I, I I forgot about it for some time. I got it on sale in Black Friday about two years ago on PlayStation. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a couple of games that are kind of non-triple A games that I have to have to play. I've been told by many people, um, Undertale is one. Into the Woods is another. Or Night in the Woods, sorry, is another. Um, but I just I just forget about them, and unless they pop up on the home screen, they just kind of. Leave my brain. It's it's weird because I'm looking through the accolades and it's like it won many awards from um, from media and stuff. But it didn't win any actual awards in terms of actual awards. Like Jim Sterling and Zero Punctuation gave it Game of the Year. Uh, it got Game of the Month from Rock Paper Shotgun. It won Best Game Ever. In game for game FAQs and was awarded best PC game from Destructoid and IGN. And then at the big awards, it won awards to do with audience, like the Audience Award. Polygon named it among the best, like the decade's best game. But I, I thought it. Fan favorite part thing. Yeah, I thought it won. I mean, there's still actual awards, but you know what I mean? Like to be like, oh, Golden Joysticks or something like that. Yeah, um, it's a it's a cult hit. Yeah, uh, the people that love it love it. It's um, definitely yeah. Toby Fox, one man made, except for Temi Chan, who was the artist. But yeah, Toby Fox did everything else. He designed it, programmed it, wrote it, composed the music, everything. One man. Yeah, I'm sure I've heard somewhere that this was basically like his life for like three years. Um, like he just poured everything he had into this. Um. And of course, it's it's worked out well for him. Yeah. So good on him. This this list is surprising me as I go through it because I was expect I very nearly put Spider Man Insomniac um, 
like the Insomniac Spider-Man game on here because I, I, was, I, I very much was like oh, I really really loved that game but then because of the spin I took on it of you know how did they define the generation as a whole I, I love Spider-Man and if somebody said to me what was one of the best games that you played of the generation Spider-Man would be on that list but because of the spin I took I don't feel that it did enough to change the generation so it didn't make the list unfortunately oh rough times go on then Dan what's your second one okay well my second one was actually going to be Spider-Man um but I bumped it just because I as much as I enjoyed it 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 kind of I tried to think of what's had similar to your kind of point of view Greg of what sort of had an impact on me um, in terms of the way it was done. And Spider-Man, as much as I enjoyed it, it wasn't one that I was kind of... It was a blast to play, but it wasn't one I thought about when I wasn't playing it, that I was desperate to get on, Mm. you know? So the second one in my list was um, God of War. I expected somebody to talk about God of War. Yeah. Yeah, um... Firstly, I think just because it was just kind of gloriously spectacular, it was such a kind of um, epic experience, but also because I very, very much like the organic way it told its story. Um, I, I tried not to put any remasters or anything on my list, which is why, like, Last of Us remaster didn't make it. But Last of Us, I thought, was amazing, the way that it told its story just between kind of the two main characters chatting. The yeah. kind of banter, the back and forth between them. And God of War did the same. Um, it was very much the the relationship of the father and the son, and you you kind of just listening to them talk to each other and kind of the the way the story built up around it, I just thought was phenomenal. Um, And the combat was great. It was great fun to play. And that was one that I would be at work thinking, I can't wait to see what I get to do next. Okay, so So, it it impacted you quite a lot. It it did, yeah. I mean, because, I mean, God of War has been around for quite a long time, but you always kind of knew that it was the Greek mythology and you kind of had a rough idea where it was going to go. But this one was because it kind of took a more Norse turn and I, I didn't know what to expect from the story. You know, when you got to kind of opening up the new worlds and things, it was, oh, where am I going to go next? Who am I going to meet next? What What's going to happen? I don't know where this is going. It kind of kept me gripped right up until the end, which is kind of why it took Spider-Man's spot. That's fair. That's fair. It makes sense. Neither- Either of you play it? I have not, unfortunately. I've not played it um, either. Yeah. Um, I, I have heard it discussed and thought that does sound nice. Um, it's one of those ones that I'll pick up when it's low price at some point in the far-flung future. Part of my problem is I didn't engage very much with this generation and spent a lot of this generation as my opportunity to catch up with the last generation and pick up everything now that it was so cheap. <laughs> uh, so, so we should really have this 
chat again in maybe 2025. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Revisit the same thing and then see what Greg liked from this generation. <laughs> That's true. My list would probably look quite different, actually. It's um, all that stuff. I was like, oh, I'll give that a go when it's cheap. That, a surprising number of things will fall into that category with me. So, so, so what's yeah. your uh, your second game then? Me. Is that me? Yes, yeah. you. Wow, how exciting. We're already on to me again. Oh. Full circle. So, um,. This one, so this is when it got difficult because I really struggled with my second and third just because there were so many things that couldn't quite define, I couldn't quite put it in, which is why I had to take the really hard line of what completely pulled me in um, and I just couldn't drop. So here it goes Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Really? That game was like I adored it for about three months and didn't stop adoring it but it did get slow and I did I, I stopped playing it thinking I'd come back to it and I'm still meaning to come back to it that but has I, genuinely I, shocked me I thought it might yeah yeah um, same that's like saying it you know to me I this is going to sound really judgmental and awful but I don't care um, that's like picking like a Call of Duty or a FIFA because it's just a yearly update game in my well, eyes. Odyssey um, was different, it wasn't, was it? Was Odyssey it, the one that had the two or three year gap? Origins took the year gap. Oh, that was Origins. Um, Odyssey is iterative Odyssey. on Origins. So it, it wasn't the, the groundbreakingly different one, it was the one that copied the groundbreakingly different one. It was the, the first yearly update of the groundbreakingly different one. <laughs> but, but the thing is, so I played Origins, and I really liked how different it was. But that game, and I got, similar with Odyssey actually, I got to a point where um, that was, it just stopped being engaging. I got really annoyed with Origins because I basically got these two legendary weapons which were extremely powerful. I never needed to get anything else, I just needed to keep upgrading them. And it completely killed my um, uh, roleplay because... I had a staff that was always on fire. Whatever I did, it was this mighty staff. And it was just like this blazing thing. And I'm just like, there's never any explanation. He never applies any oil. That would have made it for me. But no, it is just this magic staff that's always on fire. That was like, what the fuck is this? Why is this happening? So there was that. And there was the other one, which was this really cool Simtar thing, which constantly applied a poisoning effect. But it... He never applied any poison. It just, you see what? It's a nightmare, right? I couldn't actually... Cause in, I like to roleplay in these games. I like to get get into the head of the character. And here I was seeing me be just this magic idiot running around the Egyptian desert just whacking people with my fire stuff and then being like, it is a sneaky assassin. I'm like, no, I wasn't. Did you not see me kill him with a fire staff? And I'm just sitting there thinking, this is not my game anymore. But Odyssey, it kept me hooked for a really long time. It had a lot more features. It had a lot more shit to keep up with. It had way more... So, Origins, you were just following the main quest line, basically. And there was other quests, but it was basically that. Whereas Origins is like, it's got a main quest line. It's got this war thing where you're dealing with the war between the Athenians and the Spartans. And you can swap sides and you can fight battles for different teams and switch forts over to, for different people. You can pursue the uh, like 
the 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 Templars, which are not yet the Templars, they're like the Order or whatever they're fucking called. You can pursue members of that, and there's like this whole assassination tree where you're looking into things, and you can investigate um, like coal like mines and things like that, and looking for all these different people. There's a lot more to it. Oh, and there's the ship stuff, and the ships that's really good fun. Um, I mean, Odyssey was just way more fun to explore as well and didn't have so much the problem that Origins had where while Origins was technically as open as fuck, um, your level was just point and laugh. Like, you were either way under-leveled for something and there was just no point you ever going there so you just followed what you were told to do. Or things from behind you were now so under-leveled that you wouldn't want to bother going back to look at that quest that you were interested in before, but you stuck with the main mission. Whereas uh, fucking Odyssey, the Greek one, does a lot more of that. So Odyssey is an overall package. It improved in every single way on Origins. I really liked it. I would recommend it on the cheap if you like Assassin's Creed games. It's good fun. Yeah. I was just looking it up Mm -hmm. and I didn't realise that Assassin's Creed was as big of a series as it is. Odyssey is the 11th major instalment and the 21st instalment overall. Yeah, they they rinsed it. Jesus Christ. Oh, Greg, Greg, there's a Google Stadia version launching. That's well. That's their primary marketing with Google Stadia. It was the fact that we're going to have Assassin's Creed Odyssey, a game that is a year old, and everyone who was going to play it has played it already. I mean, it was <laughs> well received. It was. People did like it. I think part of the issue is that there was a pay-to-win microtransaction element, which I think their subtle way of presenting it in the game was, and it's the bit I've gotten up to. I think is they suddenly make everything there's a, there's a big leap in difficulty and either you need to do a lot of side quests to level up or you're encouraged I guess to pay for more powerful things so that you can keep up um and that's that's where my interest is like petered off that and the fact that I actually think the game has run too long um it's such a huge game and I don't know how many hours I've put into it but I've put in you know, way longer than any normal Assassin's Creed game, um, and really enjoyed it. But it, it's just getting to the point where it's just A to B to A to B again and again and again. And I want to have a conclusion. I no longer care about like, oh, I guess this is the Kingdom of the Spartans. Is this the build up to the last uh, mission? Is this it? N- n- no, no, you're 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 going to go into these mountain ranges that you know everything's really high leveled here and. You don't really care, and are you, are you still uh, talking about this as one of the games of the generation? Generate, yeah. Shut the fuck up. Ben. <laughs> they, uh, so, like I said at the beginning, these are all games that have flaws, and they're not necessarily the best games of the generation. <laughs> these are these are the games that have absorbed me and made uh, I've had the, f- the the best time with. I've had uh, like really great fun with. Okay, no, I'm okay. not. I was just curious how uh, I was trying to work out if we'd switch subjects of the podcast gonna midway. You. Gonna <laughs> slap you. <laughs> My favorite game of the generation is actually shit. Yeah. <laughs> it, mm, fuck off. <laughs> mm. Oh, all right. Before before we uh, go into a full blown tiff, let me do my final game. 
Are you ready? Okay. This is I'm it. so ready, Ben. The, it's the, the final good, one isn't is it? another one I did not expect to have on here. Mm. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Another one to Google. Oh. So basically, it all revolves around a character who is trying to rescue the soul of her dead lover from the goddess Hela, who is, uh, I believe, the Norse god of the underworld. I don't fucking know. Um, oh, but basically, it's the you, so I guess so. Yeah, it, it was basically like, um, like hack and slash puzzle solving, psychological horror. It was a really, really good game, and it, the main character in it, she she thinks she has this curse that basically causes her to to hear things and stuff, but it's actually psychosis. Um, it, yeah, it's very cleverly disguise it's actually like about mental health really isn't it yeah yeah it was a really really different game but the reason that it made the list for me is because to my knowledge it is the first independent triple a game they they called it a double a game didn't they something like that you coined a different term but yeah because it was kind of it looks AAA, it feels AAA, but they realised that it wasn't it wasn't quite kind of the scale, so it was it was like twenty five quid new. Yeah. Um because I, I reviewed it actually. Um and it, I must admit it had some of the best combat that I've ever experienced. It really was really just good yeah. Combat. The reason I, may, I put it on the list is because maybe this is a topic we can cover later on, I don't know, but I feel that uh, indie, AAA, AA, whatever you want to call them, that that will become, within the next couple of years, everybody's go-to uh, style of game, if that makes sense. I, I feel like maybe it's just me but AAA games are kind of because of the microtransactions and such I feel like people are becoming a little bit fed up with it all and there's something about indie games they have that that charm to them they feel genuine yeah they feel like they're there to tell a story and it feels more like art than a product exactly there you you play it and this isn't to uh take away from anybody who is a triple a developer or works for a triple a studio but you can't help but know that it was essentially made by a game publishing conglomerate or whatever you want to call them you know you play it and even if you enjoy it you're like still it's it's got a very mass-produced feel to it it does feel like sometimes they're made to make money rather than to tell a story yeah which i mean it's like that double-edged sword isn't it because obviously you know they need to they need to make money because of the scale of the company obviously you know like can you imagine if ubisoft didn't make a game for two years like, well, they certainly can't. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes. But um, yeah, I just I feel I feel like I feel like trip indie's definitely taken off over the last couple of years. Um, 
mainly through things such as like Steam and um, definitely YouTubers helped. Um, you know, a lot of YouTubers pushing indie games that they like and basically using their reach, playing the game they enjoy, and then you know, I, however many millions of people see that and they're like, oh yeah, that's a good game, and then they tell their friends and then their friends tell their friends and indies definitely come a long way even just over the space of this generation but you know what I think part of that is as well talking from uh, uh, an older generation um, so a lot of my friends who we would all you know spend hundreds of hours playing Final Fantasy when we were younger that kind of thing we're all or a lot of my friends are kind of at the age where they're they've got kids they are married they are working full-time they're doing quite you know um quite strenuous jobs they like to be able to pick up a game and get a full experience and a full story in 10 hours yeah you know something that they can play a couple of nights in a week and feel like they've got it finished and you know i've got friends that really like the look of things like Red Dead but will openly say I do not have 80 hours to finish a game, it will not happen I will not, I will play it I will think it's beautiful, I will do a few missions and then I'll never get to go back to it and those, a lot of my friends kind of lean towards indie games now because they're just so much more accessible and they fit their lifestyle much better Yeah, I definitely feel like um I just I feel like indie is going to be not necessarily the way forward because you're never going to um, you're never going to stop the AAA machine, you know. But I feel like and you wouldn't want to. No, see, this is the thing because I mean I'm not saying all all AAA games are bad, but I definitely feel like as people become a lot more aware of the um, how do I phrase this. The situations that AAA developers are put in, you know, the 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 actual amount of man hours and work that go into a AAA game, you know, hundred hour crunch weeks, months before release, and stuff like that, that people may eventually start sort of turning to indie more. And like the Switch, I mean, Jesus, the Switch is like an indie marketplace, basically. There's so many indie but, games and on that's, the Switch. And that's part of the discussion as well. That You're right in that people are more aware of crunch and people are more concerned about workers' rights in indie, in AAA studios. But the conversation, I think, is yet to pivot to the flaws in the indie scene in the way that people work and um, they process things. I mean, we were just talking about um, Toby Fox, who made Undertale all, all on his own and basically... You know, live this life of nothing but making Undertale with almost no income because he was spending all his time making a game completely independently. I mean, the um, people who there was two people who made Super Meat Boy, and they the reason why they didn't make Super Meat Boy two is one of them said that he refused to go near the code of Super Meat Boy one ever again because he's got this sort of PTSD towards it. Like he just it's too it was too wow. much. He can't even think about it anymore. There's part of the problem with game development as a whole industry is it's 
expensive and it's as you say workforce intensive time intensive and loads of people love gaming so they throw everything they've got at it because they want to make a livelihood in it but it means that people are having diminishing and diminishing effect and you can make an amazing game and it doesn't get played and it doesn't get bought and it can be the end of livelihoods and all sorts it's we the, the industry's in a bit of trouble and has been for a while and if it's going to be damaged by anything it's going to be damaged by the glut problem where there's just too much of it and too many people are trying to get a slice of the pie and there's not enough money to go around in the industry for everyone to have a slice of the pie yeah maybe uh, maybe we should reach out to some people and see if we can get some people on and talk about it properly that's a good idea okay let's so, do it back to the topic whose turn is it now I do believe it's Greg or Dan could be Dan, have you said your third one? Yes, I have a third one. So, after a nice, wonderful talk about the evil bitch that is the games industry and AAA in general, I have a AAA title as my first. (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't not um, choose Breath of the Wild, I'm afraid. I Um, figured it was coming. I knew there was a Zelda game on here. Yeah, but it... But it's it's not... It's not your generic Zelda game, is it? That's the thing. It's just, it's not. I didn't choose it because it was a Zelda game. I just chose it because when I did think about the generation, and, and bearing in mind this was quite early on because it was a Wii U title originally, so it was kind of very early in the in the generation, if you like. And it, it just, it's just a phenomenal experience. I when I first thought back to, you know, what game has really blown my mind in the last however many years, that that was it. it I, I couldn't I couldn't think of anything to top it. So, yeah, I know it's a bit anticlimactic and um, kind of obvious choice, but there it is. No, I mean, it, it has to be on there, right? You know, one of us had to talk about it. It's just, it's yeah. that kind of game. Every list Every list I looked at, which was probably about seven or eight, some were top ten, some were top hundred, it was top three, I think, on all of them. So it's not an opinion that I hold alone. No, no. Definitely not. Greg, do you have have an input on Breath of the Wild? Uh, Never played it. Uh, The only Zelda game I've ever played was Minish Cap on Game Boy Advance like 15 years ago. Seemed fine. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have strong opinions on it. I don't really care for puzzles, so Dan, Dan whenever a puzzle mechanic his... happens at me, I'm just like, uh, do I just, care? Dan's just looking at his like Zelda sleeve and slowly weeping. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I tell you what. Do you know what I think set Breath of the Wild above the rest was? It wasn't just the fact that. I mean, because if you, if you look at the Zelda franchise as a whole, I mean, they're all 8, 9, 10 out of 10 games. That They do well, you know, they put a lot of thought into them. There aren't, there aren't many duds in the franchise. But I think what really set Breath of the Wild apart was just the attention to detail. Just the little things that weren't even kind of billed as selling points, but were just things you could do. I mean, you could look at a situation and decide that you're going to set the field on fire in order to funnel enemies into a place that you want them and then use the heat from the fire 
to as kind of an updraft to your glider to fly over the situation and do you know what i mean there was just so many kind of little things that you could do that it was it was just about kind of exploring it it wasn't even like oh this is an amazing mechanic that we've created let's do a tutorial on it and ram it down your throat it was just here's link here's the basics go for it and a lot of it's about discovering it yourself and working out what you what you could do in the environment and i think that was why I enjoyed it so much. Do you think that Breath of the Wild set the standard for future Zelda games? Like, I know they're doing a sequel, but do you imagine that Zelda games from now on, if it's not an open world, people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, Breath of the Wild. I I don't know. I mean, the last Zelda release was um, Link's Awakening. And the way they did that, I mean, it was a remake, um, but the way they did it was they made everything kind of toy-like. Yeah. You felt like you were almost playing as a toy in kind of a toy environment. I I think if they're going to do kind of a big-scale Zelda game from now on, so when when you think kind of like Ocarina of Time, um, Twilight Princess, that, that kind of Zelda, they're going to have to go down the open world route, or they're going to have to insert like a gimmick. Yeah, it's going to have to be a comp- a completely different style, like when they did Wind Waker and decided to cel shade it, which nobody was expecting. Everyone was expecting kind of a more realistic Ocarina of Time. That's the way they thought they were going to progress, and they were like, "No, we're going to do this now because we want to." So, I think. They are, they're either going to have to completely flip reverse it and do something that is absolutely nothing like it or like you say the precedent is set now they've, they've made I mean I, like I said to you before I'm a bit worried about the sequel because I don't get how they can top it and I don't know that it's going to have that same wonder of exploration and kind of learning things for yourself if you've already done it all yeah I mean I was just thinking so, like other than Jim Sterling, who gave it a 7 out of 10. I can't think of anybody who actually didn't give this game 10 out of 10. Yeah, that's... Oh, except for... Video Gamer gave it a 9. Nintendo World Report gave it a 9.5. EGM gave it a 9.5. But you look anywhere else, Destructoid, Eurogamer, Game Informer, GameSpot, GamesRadar, GiantBob, IGM... Polygon. Games Bulletin. Games Bulletin. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Even more important than um, what reviewers are giving it is the fact that I it's my understanding that it was good at selling Switches when people were moving onto the Switch. I know it came out on the Wii U and the Switch. Um, but my understanding title. is... It was a launch, yeah. So I think it, it would have it done a big part played a big part in the explosion that was Nintendo Switch at launch because it did very well at launch and consoles don't normally do, normally do that well at launch because there's not usually something to write home about on the launch title. So yeah, was, everyone loved it. We were just looking up and uh, is it, so it released on March 3rd, 2017 and where was it saying about sales? Okay, so sales for the Switch reached 14.5 million by September 2019. Wow. 
That's, that's good. Uh, does it say, they're, they're not even halfway through their generation. Does it say how well it's sold? Oh, there you go, sales, initial launch. In the sales during the initial period are strong in the United States, the UK, France, and Germany. Media Create estimated that more than half a million switches were sold in Japan in the first month. Fair play. Wow. Yeah, it, it's definitely. It's like the game of that console, isn't it? Really, like. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. I think, I think what's remarkable about it is, technically, it could be classed as just a handheld title. Because you don't have to, you know, be in the Switch. I, I played it on the TV, but it. You don't expect a defining game of a generation really to be on a handheld console I mean how many how many other things made your list that were like 3DS or PS Vita you don't yeah, no. do, do you know what I mean it's, it was the fact I think as well that it was you could take it anywhere it it was just incredibly well done like yeah. like Greg said to be a launch title to to kind of help put the switch on the map I think it, I think it really did that yeah I mean the only time I've seen well I mean I've seen Breath of the Wild be played on like YouTube or whatever but to see it in person the only time I've ever seen it was when um, one of our managers at work had brought his switch in and his stepbrother or brother-in-law had lent him Zelda and I had physically held it in my hands and played it and I was like this looks just as good on my TV on the YouTube video I was watching that it did like actually in my hands I was like it's the exact same fucking product Mm. It was weird, really, really surreal. But Greg, yeah. Greg, yeah. I believe you have one last one for us. So I'm still, my mind has been changing on this last one throughout this recording, <laughs> um, and I'm really struggling with it because um, I would give this answer in one of three ways, and I think I'm gonna go with. He says, not knowing how he's gonna finish that sentence. Um, massive chalice. Um, okay, all right, go on. You talk. I'm getting Google up. Yeah, none of you know what this is. <laughs> uh, so, I adore the XCOM games, and XCOM Two was one of the ones that I was debating this with. And Massive Chalice is in the same style as the XCOM games. It's um, a sort of uh, I don't know all the special words for it. So it's it's like a tile like uh, take your turns sort of tactical uh, strategy from above, like an sort RTS of sort of thing. Uh, turn based strategy. Yeah, turn based. That's what I wanted to say. It's a turn based strategy um, it where looks very you nice. basically it's artistically it's really interesting. You basically build a party of people and you take them into combat, and there's permanent death, so you have to weigh this up. And you're managing when you're not in missions. Um, you're managing a sort of meta mechanic uh, from above, where you basically have all these royal families, which have these special powers, and you're basically trying to. You have to. The game runs for three hundred years, so the people who are your best people at the very beginning, while you want them in combat, you also kind of want them making children, so that you can have more people of their of their level of quality. Um, and there's all these different layers to it, and you're... I don't know if either of you have ever played XCOM games, that would save a lot of time in me explaining it. 
But um, I I have played XCOM. I've dabbled, yeah. More okay. time, that kind of. I've played a few. They are, as Ben will know, not not my favourite because he made me review more time, and uh, I hated him for quite a while. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate why people like them. That sounds really conceited. Like I, I, I see the, the appeal, appeal, but it, it doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the same. I I dabbled in a bit of XCOM 2 when I did a collaboration with somebody um, mm. and I can see the appeal and you know like I, I spoke last session about um, Reese being a massive fan of them and him getting me to play Planetary Annihilation and I did actually enjoy that but XCOM is on a different level and I just can't I feel like I enjoyed the game more because I was playing with Reese rather than actually enjoying the game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I I get that they're not for everyone. I I love the XCOM games, and I I really love Massive Chalice. It came free with gold like four years ago, like a really long time ago. I was uh, at university, I think, in my second year when it uh, came into my life uh, out of nowhere. I was looking for an excuse not to work, and all of a sudden this game, which was shockingly good, just came into my life, and I I adored it. And um, I've replayed it since as well, and not played it in a while. Maybe I'll give it another go. But it's um, oh, it made definitely by... got this place in my life. It was Go made on. by Double Fine. Okay. I don't know who they are. Double Fine the... did what I consider to be one of my favourite games of all time, which was Brutal Legend. Ah, yes, people. People love that Brutal Legend. Yeah. Okay, I have to... Yeah. I I like Brutal Legend. They lied a lot, but I liked Brutal Legend. I I liked it. The thing was, being being a teenage metalhead, you know, somebody was like, here's a game, and it's kind of like a strategy game, I guess, in in the way that the battle system works. But it was like, here's a game, Jack Black plays a main character. I was like, ah, oh, sweet, cool. And then there's like, mm-hmm. and Lemmy's in it, and Ozzy's in it, and he's there, and this, and I was just like, oh my god, is metal overload. But yeah, I loved right. it. Right, have we got any honourable mentions before we wrap this one up? I have one. I mean, so... I have 18. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there are so <laughs> many... So many right, Dan, do your best to about. combine all of your 18 into one singular word. Ben, you you tell us your honorable mention. <laughs> so I mean, there, like I said, there were so many games I could talk about. Um, Dark Souls Three was oh, yeah. um, a big game for me. I very much loved that because I didn't think I would ever love Dark Souls Three, and Reese got me onto it, and we did a series on the channel, and it was very much fun slash annoying slash amazing. Um, but if I had to pick one. Alien Isolation hmm. is is my so I have a big thing about horror games, right? I I like horror games, but I don't like playing horror games because <laughs> I find that all of the horror games I play use very cheap jump scare tactics, and while it gets me momentarily, it doesn't it doesn't hit the spot I want it to hit if that makes sense. Like I, yeah. That's one of the reasons I loved PT, which I guess I could tie with Alien Isolation. But the thing about Alien Isolation is, you know, you're in this massive spaceship 
and it's all <clears throat> the movements of the alien of the xenomorph they're all randomly generated you know you don't know where it's going to be you can't learn the pattern it's not like oh yeah it'll be down this corridor because you die and then you respawn and it's in a different place and traping through this massive empty ship which is strangely eerie enough on its own but then to have a scanner showing you a dot moving and basically your potential death coming slowly closer towards you there was something about it that just stood out to me as a horror game because it was it was genuinely uncomfortable um and i guess i guess you could put resi 7 on the list i haven't put resi 7 on the list just because i haven't played resi 7 it, yeah i was going to interject actually i i love alien isolation my favorite thing about it was how well they matched the technology on the ship to the original films yeah so everything felt very 70s 80s um I thought it was amazing. If I had to pick, Resident Evil 7 was more that made my list um, because of the randomly generated. I've never been so scared playing a game in my entire life. Um, and I tried to play Resident Evil 7 again. I went. I was going to go through it again in VR, and it. it I, I couldn't do it. I physically couldn't do it <laughs> because it's the same as res, as. Um, as alien but you don't have a scanner so you have to poke your head out of a small opening and there may or may not be a giant thing that can one kill you somewhere and it was just such a i was constantly on edge playing it and if any game can elicit that emotion in someone i think it deserves a mention yeah i mean i definitely like i said i would tie resi 7 with alien but i picked alien because I, I've watched. I, I'm one of these people. I watch game through. I watch playthroughs on YouTube. You know, YouTube is my main content. But I wouldn't put Resi Seven on there just because I haven't played it, and it, it feels it, it feels weird. You know, I, I can't. I can't talk about much, it. The fear is much more real if you're the one in control of it. Yeah, for sure because then it's your decision as to which way you turn and which way you go and a lot of the time I would end up screaming out loud because I'd turn a corner thinking I was absolutely sure that I'd heard whoever it was at the other side of the, the mansion and they were right in front of me yeah I mean I, PT's close but with PT there was a level of pattern to an extent hmm like it, it got to the point where it was, it was creepy but I, I spent two hours trying to complete that game and the first 20 or 30 minutes I was on fucking edge like I thought I was going to shit my pants and then well I mean like you know when you're, you're walking along and all of a sudden the radio is like look behind you and you're like her no I'm not falling for that shit thank you very much and then Lisa grabs you and turns you around and you're like oh cool amazing and, but after a while, I, I picked up on the cues and I could tell when things were going to happen. Because obviously, the, that was one of the the problems with de with um, with PT is that, you know, you weren't meant to be in the world for that long, I don't think. Well, to be fair, it was a demo. Exactly. You, it's, it's a demo. You're supposed to be like sort of 20 minutes. But then because nobody could complete the demo, everyone was playing it for like three hours trying to do it. So... 
that kind of came around to buy it in the arse. But yeah, Alien Isolation. If you haven't played it, play it. Super cheap on the PlayStation. Available on the Switch as well. Yeah, do it. Mmm. Okay, I, I condensed it. It's not one word, but... It's just blap! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my honourable mentions, I, I very, very quickly um, picked off the list of ones that I think I need to mention. Um, firstly, in terms of kind of walking sims, I think what remains of Edith Finch was... needs to be on there, because it's I've heard amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Um kind of the the bar for walking sims it's not jump scare it, it tells an amazing story um also lets you piece together kind of enough of your it gives it gives you enough room to put put it together yourself yeah i don't want to go into any detail because you really do have to experience it if you want to play it so that was one um again another one was detroit become human um yeah, because I just thought it was such an amazing. I, I I'm hard pushed to ever mention to ever kind of put another game out there where I felt the characters the way that I did in Detroit. I, I really cared about the characters, and I really kind of I wanted them to get through it. It wasn't a case of. You know, there's other games like that, like Until Dawn and stuff, where you're kind of, let's see how so and so dies. But it it wasn't it wasn't like that with Detroit. I really I really cared about the characters. Um, and then finally, very very quickly, um, Concrete Genie, uh, quite a recent quite a recent release. Um, kind of went under the radar for a lot of people. I followed it for a long time. Um, you you play as a bullied child in a run-down fishing town um, that has lost its charm. It used to be kind of a, a wonderful seaside place, um, but it, it turned into a bit of a hole. Kind of reminds me of where I grew up, I guess. Um, and he has the he has the ability to paint uh, these kind of creatures called genies on the wall, and they, they come to life. So it's a, it's a very grey town, but you kind of use this, stunning graffiti to kind of bring it back to life and it, it's just such a beautiful experience it's, it's on sale at the moment actually it's quite cheap i think it's only about 12 quid maybe 15 quid and it it's not the longest of games but it it's just beautiful it's just absolutely gorgeous and i think everybody should go play it that's a really cool idea actually that game's got that's really neat it, yeah oh. it, 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 i've never played anything quite it's just a lovely idea. So, you know, you, when you paint the genies on the wall, you want them to help you, but they you need to keep them happy, so they might want you to paint a certain scene. So you kind of create this scene for them, which they then interact with. Um, it's just it's just lovely. It's just very, um, very cute. I'm yet to do the VR side of it. There is like a, a kind of a VR add-on, but, um, but the main game itself is very, very good. Yeah. Greg, cool. Any uh, right. mentions? I got a couple ones that I'm just gonna breeze over. Um, XCOM Two, I've already said I really liked. Um, Spider Man, we all already discussed that. I really love Spider Man. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, it was the first game I've ever really enjoyed boss combat in. Um, Pokemon XY, I think it's the, I think they're the best Pokemon games that have ever been made um, by quite a long way uh, in my experience, which is a pretty wide experience. Um, Stellaris, uh, which neither of you will know about, but it's a strategy game on the PC. Um, Sensing a trend. And well, there's, 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 uh, and the last one is Civ Six, which is also a strategy <laughs> PC. Um, Civilization Six. Yeah, I, um, I expected I expected Civ Six to make your main list. To be honest. Yeah, me oh. too. I was very surprised that it didn't, being the kind of high regard you gave it last week. Did I give it high regard last week? Yeah, you spoke very well. Was you it? spoke very highly of Civilization in general. Well, as a series. yeah. Yeah, Civ Six I really like, but it it's got it. They've all got their flaws, right? Um, but I I put quite a few hundred hours into Civ Six. Civ Five I'm up to something like one thousand two hundred hours played. I think I might have played Civ Five more than any other game in my entire life. Um, so they, but that 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 came out before twenty fourteen or whatever it was. Yeah. There we are. Anything I else you boys want to say? Um, your regular weekly reminder to buy Stadia. <laughs> That's just going to be a fin now, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it gets better every week, I assume. So the the case just gets stronger. So we've got to keep making it. <laughs> okay. Well, the podcast I is do... now on iTunes as well. Oh fuck! Yeah, Very exciting. I know, right? I'm looking into getting it onto Spotify, so maybe that's uh, an avenue we can go down at some point. I love avenues going down them and being near them, having a look at them. This is all my dream. All right, is well, it worth mentioning, aren't we taking a break next week? Yes, we are, yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. Because that is the whole thing. I, I vaguely remember Greg having some nipples added. Yeah, I thought, um, is he having them removed? I thought he had too many. <laughs> no, not not enough. He's he's trying to reach nine. Oh, okay, right. My bad. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, nipples aside, um, <laughs> which is another good name for this podcast, actually. Um, I would say next week we're really unlikely to record. Like, yeah, completely unlikely. Um, and Christmas weeks, we don't know what's happening. And the weeks after that, we don't know what's happening because we've got to reorganize ourselves. Uh, based on Dan's new schedule in his life, um, but I'm sure we'll make it work. Yeah, we'll think of um, something. We'll think of at least one thing. That'll be really good. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. Well, we shall see you guys next time then. Uh, yes. Thank you for listening. I guess. Well, definitely thank you for listening. But I guess I have to be polite. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I guess. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> <Okay>, Goodbye. <bye. laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bye.